podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the Earth's greatest Star Trek podcast, as you all know. No other podcast is as good as our Star Trek podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. I hadn't really thought about it until you just said Earth, that you have actually been limiting the uh, the amount of uh, territory that we're the best podcast. Well, I'm just saying the, one, the best one emanating from Earth. Also, yeah. I don't believe there's intelligent life out there, so welcome to the Star Trek podcast. <laughs> And I'm already lost without him. Um, oh, I blew it. You got in the way of okay. thing. Look, I just said I just had Quark pipe in. Fair. No problems there. Been a long time, long time, first time. Hi, everybody. It's Deep Space Nine. I don't know if you remember. That's what we talk about on the show sometimes. Uh, we've been away for a bit, mostly because I was away for a bit. And Andy was kind enough to uh, delay his Deep Space Nine discussions until I returned from my, well, I'd call it a vacation, but... I saw everybody and my family, so, well, you know. Don't call it a vacation. <laughs> He's been with his family for years. <laughs> um, that said, I'm excited to get back down to brass tacks here, Andy. Thank get God. Back into the, into the Terek Nor of it all, or the Deep Space Nine, depending on if you prefer the Cardassian name for the station, or the human name for the station. Uh, I sound like this because I'm I'm dying of whatever cold this is. Sinus, I don't know what it is. Like you think it was a, a Henry behind my eye hurts. Oof. You tested. You did the old COVID thing. I never even thought to do that. Oh, in all honesty, you got to do that first do that. in the modern world. You know what it is though. I'm just like I don't see anybody anyway. I'm not. A, uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not a concern to anyone. I'm not leaving the house. <laughs> You have no concern for yourself, obviously. You well, don't value yeah. your own life. What am I? You know, I'm just a podcast guy who <laughs> is on strike in two guilds right now. So, yeah, it did. It's fascinating, Andy. Speaking of, it's slightly on topic, off topic, but okay. uh, the rules and regulations here for the SAG uh, after strike yes. are are kind of tickling me. They're making me laugh a little bit. Because <laughs> you're allowed, you're allowed to do panels. Comic Con's coming, we all know, San Diego yeah. Comic Con, and the big Star Trek convention coming pretty soon. So if you're in SAG, you're while on strike, you're allowed to still do panels, but you cannot discuss your film or TV work. Huh? So they're gonna have a lot of trouble out there filling those panels with information <laughs> or question and answer. I'm pitching myself right now. If you need me to come to your convention to get a panel completely off track from what the people want to see. Oh, this is I'm your really, guy. You are the, you, this is the best skill set you've ever displayed. I am your guy. I, <laughs> I'm a card-carrying member of SAG and the WGA, and I will help us all maintain the 
integrity of the strike. I might argue that you are the foremost off-topic panelist in the world. Oh, I am just like, I cannot wait. I would, honestly, I would like love to do a panel with everybody in Star Trek and like start by asking them, like, how do you take your coffee? Let's go around the room. Right. Someone's going to say they don't take coffee. I'm like, what do you drink instead? We're going to have so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's hilarious to me that they can't talk about film or TV. It's interesting because they're still obviously they're where if they're at Comic-Con, they're on the studio's bill or whoever it is that is paying them to advertise their project. Not necessarily. Depends. Like they're not allowed. Oh, you're definitely not allowed there to go promote anything. Right. That's not who I'm specifically talking about. I'm more talking about like at the upcoming Star Trek convention. Right. Like, oh, what see. is what is Brent Spiner and Jonathan Frakes? What are they going to talk about? Oh, well, they would be probably paid for by the convention itself. Yes, but what I'm saying is, like, they're still not allowed to discuss their film or TV work. That's interesting. Can you not? Yeah, I guess you wouldn't be able to discuss their past. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which yeah. is why, again, I'm available. Although, frankly, they would probably be delighted to, oh, have, sure. to have that cut off. And, oh, I can just talk about my other bullshit. This is great. But what's the other bullshit? That's the their thing. lives. Just I don't know. Some you know, there's some of them got other stuff going on, right? All I'm saying is, if you want, if you want it to go well, you just give me a call, everybody. Uh, obviously, no one's listening, but <laughs> that's beside the point. Andy, yes. I suppose it's been so long since we've discussed these Space Nine. We might as well open up the hails. Oh, oh no. no, wait, I forgot where we are. No. We got so much to do. First, first, first we... the Admiral's Club, everybody. No. And after I uh, say everybody <laughs> should watch it. Andy, did you have them watch this episode? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good one from what I remember. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Oh yeah, you're going to be shipping Garrick and Bashir all day. And, you know, you can't ask either of those actors about what they think about shipping those two characters. I wonder if you can hide your questions and say, <laughs> you know. That's very interesting. If you played a character where it's there time. was an implied relationship and one of them was an implied spy. Implied spy. Implied it's spy. time for the Admiral's Club. Welcome to the Admiral's Club. This is moving already. Look, uh, we're Matt, the Admirals Club. How do they I get into the Admirals Club? I, well, I mean, you can, in your own it used time, to be just simpler. explain it. Certainly used to be simpler. Yes. But now that there's so many platforms that we're not on or will ever see, uh, you can head over, you leave a, leave a five-star review of our podcast anywhere, essentially, and you're in. Hey, while we're on the topic of other platforms, some of you may have noticed. Um, That's not for the Admirals Club. We've got to exit it first. Oh, all right, all right. Fair enough. Gosh. Just remind me. I think the chance of either of us remembering is 3% tops. All right, fine. Executive <laughs> no, no, decision. We'll Go ahead. ahead. No, we'll Do it, it in it the now. Admirals Club. No, no. Go I don't ahead. want to break protocol. I know what a protocol fiend you are. David Crissel says, um, I don't know where this is. Maybe it says in the in the in the hail, uh, but it was sent to me, which means it's from some other iTunes. 
Um, best podcast in the universe. Um, five stars. After four years of listening to, to uh, STTNC, I've gathered enough evidence to say that this is the best podcast in the whole universe. It surpasses even bird watching with Armus and Autopsies in Zero Gravity by Dr. Beverly Crusher. Total comfort food for the brains of some people, including me. Don't put me into the Admirals Club or where is it I'm supposed to end up now? It would be hell with my social phobia. Maintenance would be just fine. Or cetacean ops. I guess there's a pool and wellness there. Seriously, though, thank you so much for making many people happier. This is no small feat these days. Andy and Matt, you're the best. Please don't ever stop. David, P.S. I had to revise this review because in the first version, I mixed up the Admiral's Club and the President's Circle, misspelled phobia and cetacean, and totally panicked. P.S.S. You help me get... This is into flow while reading EEGs. Nice. What are EEGs? Aren't they uh, heart? Electro heart. Yeah, the something, thing. something. Oh, wow. Grams. Are you a doctor, David? I have many questions. I'm ushering him out. He has a lot of anxiety. Go. You can go out that way. Just head out that way. We have to go. go back in, though. We have no, no. Just go to that Jeffrey's tube. Do all the maintenance you want. Thank you for being here. Okay, but Andy, I'm we'll scared. Come. We're going back. No, we're going back in, Andy. All right. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Any more Admirals get... today? Or is the no? How don't do ask me again. <laughs> Please don't ask me again. Uh, yeah, one more is from Beamer Seven, who says, "I rue the day I joined the Admirals Club." Gentlemen, discovered the pod late 22 and have thoroughly enjoyed starting from the beginning and playing catch-up. I've determined that while prestigious membership in the AC will be a dark day for me as it will mean that I'm much closer to being current and have to wait months and months for (laughs) new episodes to drop like the rest of these incompetent tapas. Uh, Am I saying that correctly? Uh, Love the show. My personal brain, brain image of the two of you interacting is that of an old Smithers and a young Mr. Burns. I wonder who's who. P.S. Uh, I do know, in actuality, what you both look like, but whatevs. Executive Traveler Brandon. <laughs> uh, I hope he's not referencing Star Trek, and he's just rubbing it in our face that he has status every every airline. Yeah. He's like, I'm an executive traveler. A real VIP. Uh, um, thank that's you it for being in the Admiral's Club. Club. We appreciate you greatly. Let's go to thank the President Circle. Welcome to the President's Circle. This is where people who are in our Patreon come to be cool. If you want to join the Patreon, you can head over to Star Trek TNC's Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC, and join. Uh, if you're in the President's Circle, you're getting yourself uh, what I would describe as a buttload of extra podcasts every month. Right now, we're going through Strange New Worlds as it airs. Uh, that's exciting. couple of Voyagers, couple of Enterprises sprinkled in there. And overall, a great, cool vibe. Head over to the Patreon, join, and get yourself too many extra hours of entertainment. Now, Andy goes through the comments each and every week. He finds what he likes a lot, or that just sticks out in a unique way. He will award it the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Who's getting it this week? It's uh, This week's going to uh, Cam, who's uh, who's changed his uh, his handle 
to be eye-catching, to Cam is letting terrorists into Andy's house to steal a pike medal, but Andy will forgive him by next week. I'm not sure if that handle suggests I'll forgive him because I'm forgiving or more likely because I will forget by next week. A thousand percent, you're forgetting. Uh, and Camp says, to combine fandoms, perhaps there is a Bond symbiont. Matt, inherently the Bond symbiont, likes martinis, Aston Martins. Uh, Aston's Martin? Uh, it's, is, that a, is that a bonding reference? <laughs> I believe that's a bird of prey reference. Oh, nice uh, <laughs> nice dissecting of the joke that I should know, uh, etc. But uh, ind- the individual hosts, all of whom just happen to be called James by coincidence, have different personalities. So when combined with the Bond symbiont, they make a new guy who's kind of like the old guy, but not really. First one is cheeky, second one is mild, third one is snotty, and so on. Uh, they'll have to reset canon. In the next movie, That's so true. hopefully we get to see a slug taken out of Daniel Craig and put into uh, Rene Jean Page or whoever they pick. Is that I take I take the- I take I take a slug or I would take a TARDIS uh, situation. You know, we finally reveal he's a Time Lord. The symbiont thing must have come up at some point in your universe, being the bonding guy and the Star Trek guy. No, I was always of the Time Lord theory. Interesting. I, I, you know what? I'm not going to lie, but I was the first proponent of the Time Lord theory. I did a Google search for it, too, yeah. to make sure I was the, I was the first one. I, that's very impressive. You're right to uh, toot your own horn on that. Um, horn tooted! Um, so he's saying Connery is cheeky. And then Lazenby is mild, and then he's describing more as snotty? That seems... I buy it. I see it. I see it, for sure. That seems very critical. Seems kind of funny. Maybe snarky at worst. Um, and then Lieutenant Commander Molay, I'm throwing him a sort of at least There's a... No snark. There's no snark with Roger Moore. Snotty it's, as opposed to it's, snarky. It's, it's, he's the most posh of the bunch, if you ask me. Interesting. Um... Lieutenant Commander Molay, Historical Archives Division, says, Now, I want, to, I want the Dax symbiont to wake up in a new body and say, This never happened to the other fella. <laughs> oh, bond. Bonding. Bonding corner in the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardees. And now we're in the Priority One messages proper. Winky, winky. Here we go. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Dick What's up, War- dorks? What do you got to say to us? <laughs> but he always begins this section by bullying our listeners. Uh, Dick Warlock Esquire uh, says, oh, this is another, uh, it's another uh, sort of bonding-ish related thing. On the James Bonding podcast, Matt said Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was his favorite Indiana Jones movie, so it only makes sense that Star Trek... Six would be his favorite Star Trek movie. It's pretty much the last crusade of Star Trek movies. Uh, I'm lucky in that my favorite movies are chosen fandoms, uh, and my chosen fandoms are also the best ones. My favorite Indiana Jones is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And no, it's not Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just Raiders of the Lost Ark. My favorite Star Trek movie is First Contact. And my favorite, this that doesn't jibe to me with the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hey, hey, slow down. And my favorite James Bond movie is The Spy Who Loved Me. Yep, done and done. There is zero air between quality and favoritism in my favorite things. 
I'm also super lucky that my favorite Matrix movie is Reloaded, which yeah. I'm sure we can all agree is the best one. What's it like to have perfect fanboy taste, you ask? Well, you are definitely asking the right guy. The guy whose favorite prequel is The Phantom Menace, and his favorite season of Buffy is season four, and his favorite Tony Hawk game is Thug 2, and his favorite Zelda game is the latest one, Tears of the Kingdom, which, Andy, by the way, is the best game ever made. Stop season playing that glorified. It's not a bad answer. For Buffy? No, I agree yeah, with that. It's pre-dawn, which yeah. is like, I'm all pre-dawn. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I think I think it's uh, it's really the game here is just he picks whatever he wants. It has nothing to do with the general perspe- perception uh, or opinion. Which, Andy, by the way, is the best game ever made. Stop playing that glorified chore simulator. You're going to hate this. Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I guess you do you do sign on to that. You basically you bask in the chore simulation of it. Are you kidding me? I am running around camp, doing everything. I'm yeah. talking bringing hay to the horses. I'm chopping firewood. I'm filling up pails of water. I'm bringing over cornmeal in giant packs over to Pearson. And uh, you know, if if there's anything else that pops up, I'll do it too. I love it. Off topic, panelist master Matt Myra. And trying playing something that's actually fun. I've never been a big Zelda fan, but these last two entries have hooked me. If you get a Switch to play Zelda on, you can also play Skyrim in handheld without internet connection, which rocks. I've been very busy lately and haven't been able to post much, so I guess I had a lot of words to get out, which explains the length of this post. It does not, however, explain how much it is so all about me. Apologies, too long, didn't read. Last Crusade in Star Trek Six, everybody's second favorite movie in their respective series, and I find them both more boring than Church. Interesting. I have a lot of problems with The Last Crusade, as I've described to Matt before. I have no problems with The Last Crusade. I think it's thumbs up all the way. Ross, Mr. Tufnell, McLeod, Alexa, add startup, uh, add startup a novel by Dory Shafrir to my basket. Wow, that really didn't work. You tried to sell my wife's book to everybody listening on a loudspeaker. Let me do it again. We'll, do, well, you can cut this. You can cut that that run out, and then uh, and then clean up the episode. Ross, Mister Tufnell, McLeod, Alexa, add startup a novel by Dory Shafrir to my basket, and check out now. <laughs> um, great the, job, everybody. On the previous podcast, that's just his name. On the previous podcast. Andy made a comment about how Wynn hit the ground running as a bad character and the good character wasn't quite established within the screen time they had. Do you think it's easier to establish a bad guy than a good guy? Similarly, do you think it's easier to have a believable turn from a good to bad rather than bad to good? My take is it's way easier to establish a bad guy than a good guy. I think it's harder to establish a unique, grounded uh, bad guy than a good guy but it's much easier to just say look at this terrible thing and listen to the music um, and then on the second part I think it is much uh, easier also to do bad to good because again you establish that the guy's bad and then it's like ah oh, he's learning all this stuff than good to bad where it's like the audience will be like fuck you we like this guy Matt uh, I think that's all got a little muddier post-Sopranos and the, you know, the anti-hero kind of a thing, the broken protagonist, the Tony Soprano, Walter White of it all, I think has made things a little muddier 
and thusly I do think it's probably harder actually to establish a a good cat like a like a you know like a pike a genuinely good yeah yeah because like you're that watching is it, the you're impressive always, part of pike you're always looking at it like what's this guy really up to like with the president in the season four of disco remember the federation president we were all like side-eyeing the character because like you can't possibly just have the federation's best interests at play here <laughs> they were they were trying to make us question her though right but to what end right. to do nothing that's the problem in the storytelling that's yes. on us though you know what i mean that's on us as right. an audience well i feel like it's on them because they were leaning into something that they weren't going to pay off no yes. no sorry if that's a spoiler um david s the homework stealing vulcan says pausing the pod to say is fucks the bed basically like uh-huh. aloha according to matt could it be used as yuck my yum Oh no! <laughs> Get out of here with that! Doesn't you want to hear it in that context? Anne McClintock says, uh, "Pause the pod and came here to say I also know John Glover from Smallville. It was on the WB around the same time as Gilmore Girls, which is coincidentally how I first heard Matt on Gilmore yeah. Guys, which eventually led me to his podcast in this community." I guess I owe hours of entertainment to the WB Frog. No, no. Come on. Michigan J Frog, I believe his name is. Super Sante. racist frog. Huh? Super racist frog. That's his name. Is he racist? How is he racist? Oh, my God. Let's get deeply into it. <laughs> he was doing a minstrel act. What? With the, with the top hat? Yes. Oh, Wow. Glad I no longer have that uh, that uh, Michigan J Frog T-shirt. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Sante Mastriana says, Andy, I don't know if this will help you with the whole trill memories thing, but I'm a giant Dune head, so I can bring it up. Uh, so I bring it up at every opportunity. You touched on it on the pod. In Dune, there are several characters who have something called other memories. Uh, I just finished. Is uh, is me talking? I I just finished the uh, the uh, third one. And uh, they, you know what they? I know what you're talking about. They have a lot of stuff about memories. Um, I, that's crazy, Jay. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Dune yeah, is the it's a great theory novel. People say they don't like the other ones, but it has a lot of uh, really explore the world building in the second and third one. <laughs> you're crazy, Jay. <laughs> that is a very small demo for that impression. Um, on your saddles. All right, everybody. I was trying to queue up the uh, episode of DS9, and then it's like, here, we're going to play this fucking Strange New Worlds commercial. Oh, I thought you were maybe going to queue up the uh, the Tonight Show theme early. <laughs> um, okay, other memories. Essentially, they gain the knowledge and memories of past ancestors, but as something of a spectator rather than directly possessing their abilities it's akin to having a perfect instructional video or a primary source of for information as if you've lived the experience yourself i think that's what's going on with the trill so if jadzia am i eh, who cares uh had absolutely no piloting experience she might have better aptitude for learning how to be a pilot because of the past memories but she would still have to know the basics to put it to practical use Presumably, Jadzia Dex 
as a Starfleet officer, has learned those basic skills. Also, uh, as you alluded to, there are characters in Dune who can essentially assume the identities of past ancestors and are at risk of those identities possessing them. But that's a whole other can of sandworms. I'm even in this description. I'm can I'm a little bit like I don't. I feel like there's a difference of opinion on whether it's like you're downloading the sort of almost visual or knowledge information of something. I don't know if everybody even agrees on that because some people have written in to theorize that they think that it's just as subject to memory loss as normal memories in a human brain. It's the beauty of uh, unexplained fiction, you know? But I definitely... In terms of making the trill interesting, I'm definitely more of the mind of like, let them access the abilities of several generations. Um, and if not, at least enough knowledge that they could easily build up those abilities in a quarter of the time. That's what I'm on the side of. I don't know if that's true. Eric Peebles says, how did the first trill joining happen? Did some guy stumble across a slimy, gross worm and think, we shall become one? Also, a bigger question is how the first one was passed Crawled on. Crawled up his butt. Crawled up his butt. Is that what happened? Like a leech in a, in a pond, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then that leech got out and crawled up somebody else's butt. <laughs> and it was just, it was a parasite, but it was a parasite that sort of was just a little bit more affectionate and... Correct, yeah. And was just like brought the memories. Want, yeah, I just want to be one with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, that actually is <laughs> crazily. That is a, a, the most plausible theory I can imagine. Because otherwise, how would they have thought of this? Um, the bigger question is how the first one was passed on. Please take my belly worm. It has all memories that I had and some wild times uh, of some wild times. No judgment though. Um. Yeah, I wonder. It's got to be some fucking memory beta novel about that. But if there isn't, you'll write it. Should I just do that with my Right? Life? Just do it. Just explain it. to your to Explain it to everyone just by doing it the way you want. People would be infuriated with my memory beta novels. There would it's be... The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Welcome to the show. Tonight, as always, we're going to be talking about the Dune novels. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight is God Emperor of Dune. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Just Jay loses his mind and can't <laughs> stop talking about Dune beta canon. Um, and, like, and like everybody in charge of him, she's like, I mean, look, we're still getting a three share here. No one, we're not. <laughs> Nobody cares. He's like up. his personality. <laughs> Uh, Ensign Denise Carroll, the sentient baseball, says, This TNC episode has opened a whole world of trill questions in my brain. So, thanks for that. How are the new symbionts born? The Dax symbiont has been around for eight lifetimes. Did it have warm parents? To procreate, do two... That's an even bigger question. Where do they originate from in and of themselves? To procreate, do two symbionts have to be pulled out of their hosts and mate, or are the symbionts hermaphroditic, um, hermaphroditic? Is that how you say it? And you don't use that term in everyday language that often, and self-fertilize. 
Other wormy species like C. elegans, unless that's a misprint, can do this. So maybe it's plausible. Are symbiont babies gestated and born inside a trill host? Sounds terrible. Those babies would have to be surgically removed or else you'd probably risk them trying to integrate into the trill host. Does a new baby symbiont have a personality or is it just a sponge that soaks up the experience of the host and passes those on to new hosts? If symbionts aren't born, are there a limited number of them in existence? If that's the case, they must be near extinction by now. Hoping some of these things will be answered. I'm watching DS9 for the first time. But they probably won't. Uh, Unhappy with mouth open and eyes closed emoji. Well, I think really the can of worms you've opened up for everyone listening is is problematic. But at the end of the day, you're just you're just doing what you feel is right. Now you know. Um, I sometimes have wordplay blindness in various forms. Did you mean can of worms intentionally as a bit, or uh, you you weren't aware of it yourself? I think subconsciously it was a brilliant maneuver by my brain, but I didn't mean to do it. Dan Man Mountain says, uh, regarding dropping out of warp in system, I have no problem. <laughs> this is ongoing. Uh, with dropping out of warp at a planet, first a solar system is still really empty. Even then, even going through our asteroid belt, you'd be lucky to see an asteroid because the average distance between them is 600,000 miles. Any stuff they may run into will be dealt with by the deflector dish since that's their job. Second, it would take hours to do impulse speeds in system full impulse is supposed to be one quarter light speed which means it would take 16 hours to get from earth to beyond our furthest planet which i assume is what you're counting as the edge of our system third what is the edge of our system beyond our planets i think past the kuiper belt the oort cloud kuiper belt I'm, i'm saying past pluto a cloud of icy objects that surrounds our solar system um, in a sphere. So is that the edge of our solar system? The problem is it extends two light years and mixes with the Oort cloud of our nearest star. So what is the edge? Clearly can't be the Oort cloud. If it's Neptune, do we want the Enterprise to wait 16 more hours before it responds to attacks on Earth, or can we trust sensors that can read life signs from orbit to miss a planet on its way in? Thank you. You trust whoever you want, Okay. I'm just saying what bothers me, everyone. <laughs> uh, let's see. This just says a DS9 soundbite. Do you have something in the... Uh, I don't. I haven't pulled anything yet. Is what it I was my, it's my fault. That. I should have, should have pointed you towards it. Uh, I'll read this in the meantime. Matt Johnson says, Hi, Andy. Oh, no, this is that's part of that one. So I'll go up to this. Uh, Hephaestus42... Who's Eric Eric Hoopingarner? Finally caught up. Joined the Patreon to catch Picard season three. Now it's time to slingshot back and catch up on Patreon only episodes. Thanks, guys. Uh, welcome, Hephaestus forty two. Uh, thank you for your support. Um, another thing we're going to hear from Matt Johnson, besides the uh, the soundbite, if there is one, says, uh, "Did anyone else notice when Cisco and Varad are chatting after the surgery?" They referred to the Cliffs of Bowl. That has to be a reference to the director of many Trek episodes, Cliff Bowl. Cliff Bowl. That's a funny little ref. I have pulled the sounds, Andy. Okay. Do you want to play... Is there one called DS9 Soundbite? There's one called DS9 and I'm. 
That's it. So, hi, Andy. I've been waiting to send this in for a while. Just getting around to it. Uh, a surprise no one else had sent in this particular clip. There was a, there was a gentleman who had sent us a bunch, so it might be in there. Uh, and it doesn't say, and I'm, but neither do a few others that get played. Anyway. I know. It bothers me. Hope you or Matt are enjoying. This was from the 4th of July. Uh, as well as celebrate Neil Simon's birthday, which is the 4th of July. I didn't know that. Peace and long life. I'm not Picard. That was, we you know, we early on we discussed that one as being around. And I, you know what? I played that one on the fly once. Yeah. Like I queued up the episode to that moment, but we did not have it pulled. So thank you for doing that for me. Nice. Miley, Lieutenant Miley says, uh, love that you both give it the same number of Andes, but then each of you try your best to convince the other that their Andes need adjustment. <laughs> you, I think, in particular, are uncomfortable if you hey. go first and then I, I, I do exactly the same score, I think. <laughs> I just feel like you like things like less than you think you do, or not? No, it's not that. It's like you always, whenever you're talking about something, yeah. I'm like, it's either, oh man, he's gonna give this like a twelve, yeah, and then I go ahead and I drop a six and a half on it, and you're like, I give this one a six and a half. I had a lot of great <laughs> bits in it. I really liked the Dax stuff, and I thought Cisco was awesome. And then you're like, but I take off three and a half for. The Ferengi B plot. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and then the other way it goes is usually I'm like, oh, this episode sucked. I gotta give it a four and a half. And like, you're like pretty high. Oh, this is pretty good. Pretty good. So like, how many Andes you give it, Andy? And you're like four and a half. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I hated this. I'm giving it a four and a half. You can't do that. You know what I think it is? It's my intellectual brain is not really where I judge my Andes from. I judge my Andes from my gut. So I could give you an intellectual breakdown that does mm-hmm. not match my gut. Um, Art Nietzsche. Well, that's just because that's your gut always needs a sandwich. Well, that's Andy true. needs a sandwich and a pizza and some ice cream and some donuts and a good pizza to cover up the bad pizza and some tacos and a burger and some french fries and a milkshake and some cookies and some onion rings It's funny you should play that because I went to a friend's book club. I think that's the first book club um, I ever... God, you are desperate for human contact. No fucking shit, my friend. You'll read a Um, book? You'll read uh, a book to see other people? In fairness, I didn't read a book. Are you fucking crazy, man? (laughs) I didn't... uh, I didn't... uh, <laughs> I read the beginning of the book. She, she actually, in fairness, also to me, she told me about it the day before the book club. That's so I was like, wild. I'm you not even able bo- to read the book. She says, ah, it doesn't matter. It's social. Audible? Did you audible it? Like, try to listen to, like, at least most of it before you got it? Well, I had to do it the day before. So I did. The, I think in the future book, if I continue to go to this book club, which might not happen, we'll see. But uh, it might not happen because of what you're about to tell us. Go ahead. No, it might not happen because I exactly what you're what you're uh, what you're critiquing <laughs> me for. I'm like, come on, am I really going to read a book before each of these things? <laughs> um, 
She used your Audible credit, man. I get, you know, I have one. I I've did. Got, I did. I've, got 12, I do. I've got 12 credits all the time that sitting there. That seems like cheating for a book club. Isn't that not cheating? I don't know. Do you like reading? I read the book. Do you find it to be a little too time consuming? I read the Dune novels for real. That is true, but you were interested in those. It is true. What was the I book will say, for this book club? What? What was the book? Yeah. It was uh, The Underground Railroad um, by... Let's see, let's like see. about the actual Harriet Tubman Underground Railroad? Well, here's why it actually was sort of more in our line of interest. It was The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Um, it is about... The fictional, there being a fictionalized actual underground railroad that they're trying to get to, and then them like sort of stopping in cities along the way as they escape. So it's very, it's very hyper real in terms of the oppression and sort of the the historical environment. But then they create an actual underground railroad. So then it's like some sort of like freed. <laughs> Freed uh, slave utopia, like in various underground now, cities. Uh, as far as I can tell from their description, obviously, I, 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 you I, haven't, I, I you haven't read it. There's, by the way, there could be nothing more potentially annoying than Andrew Secunda at your book club, and he has not read the book because oh, then God. it's just and it, it's virtually an endless series of questions I would ask, and I started to do that, and I was like, I don't, I better, I don't want to become persona non grata immediately, so I cut, yeah. I cut back, but. Uh, but from what I could tell, everything else is very grounded in reality. I was like, ooh, is this like a steampunk novel? Except, you know, with an actual, you know, uh, uh, themes about slavery that are that are moving. Uh, and uh, apparently not. The rest of it's very grounded in reality. And it, the only the only fictionalized part is the, the only sort of science fiction part is the that there was an underground railroad. Although someone did. That sounds like a big science fiction part. It, I agree. Someone did ask the question. Um. One thing that I was curious about, because I felt like he was making music references and stuff that seemed a little off the time that this was set in, which I think uh-huh. was just before the Civil War. And so that was when I asked my my uh, my steampunk question, because it's like, oh, is it like this is a total like you're advancing the technology so that it fits that they, they would have built an underground railroad at that point? Um, anyway. Uh, I read, ironically, I listened to the book up until the moment when someone says to the main character, I want you to come on the Underground Railroad with me. And that's all the time I had. And I was like, this was a perfect teaser. I want to read this thing. You know, what's funny is like, this is how a child interprets the Underground Railroad. That's the interesting part of this. I agree. I was thinking this guy should do a bunch of other. Because like when I was a kid, I always assumed it was a literal underground steam powered railroad. For sure. What a what a what a what a fucking rip off! Good, good book idea. It's great. Uh, the other thing that was I asked about Colson White is a kids are stupid. I'm going to pro- write this. <laughs> the prose are fa- the prose is fantastic, and uh, the one thing I'll say about Colson Whitehead, I was like, oh my god, what are his other novels? Because they all must. If you've got this kind of branding, they all must be this kind of like, hey, we're taking the thing you thought it was, but we're making it for real, or we're yeah. to put this twist on history. Apparently, everything else he does is just straight fiction. It has no twist like this. Huh. I think he's really missing the boat, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, I don't know. Here's the reason I brought this up. Jesus, talk about fucking off-topic paneling. 
Um, this I I took. Tell me about the food they had. <laughs> I took the this is what it was. I took the off-topic thing of the food, and then I went to another one deep, even farther away from Star Trek. Welcome to the pod. If this is your first one, and your last one. Um, so I uh, at the uh, at the book club. Um, uh, my friend is a is a big chef. She she cooks when she's stressed, so she's cooking all the time, and so she cooked a plum. A plum cake, uh, a fig tort, and blueberry scones. And I was just pounding all of those. And then I was like, oh, I really didn't have lunch. And then I went to a, uh, a burger place that was on my list to try afterwards. And I got a double uh, smash burger with fries. But then they had a chicken sandwich, fried chicken sandwich on the menu. It's like, is that one any good? She goes, yeah, it's it's definitely really solid. It's not as good as the burger, but it's solid. And I was like, all right, throw one of those on. <laughs> Demolished both of those. Got home. Had a Pop-Tart with ice cream. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Hmm. Did anyone have an answer for you? Uh, I didn't ask anyone. That was just no. someone I met. You're asking us? I, am. I would love to know. Yeah, that would be great if you guys, if anyone could hey, tell everybody, me. just let us know. What's wrong with Andy? Should I do a poll? To do a to poll, yummy foods. To do a to poll, I would have to come up with the possibilities myself. So maybe it'll just be an open, uh, an open uh, a topic in the Patreon, or or email it in. Feel free to email it in. Um, Jeremy Spector <laughs> says, "I like how Tim Russ always guest stars as a guy who's part of a team trying to commandeer a Starfleet setting." It's true. Because the previous one was uh, was Picard's Die Hard. Starship Mine. Yeah. Yep. Ensign Excess Emotional Baggage says, spoilers are to Andy as Voldemort is to the wizard world. <laughs> I guess in both that I hate them and that they uh, I do not want them spoken of. Spoken. I do not want the name spoken. Um, Lieutenant Dashnell says regarding the change of personalities when hosts merge with the symbiotes it hit me that voyager actually gave us the best analogy for trills with tuvix and how the merging of tuvix tuvok and neelix gave us a wholly different person with both of their memories and personality but that's so different that's not the same thing no that's completely different how is it different they were physically became a different being The symbiote always exists, even if it's in Dax. Uh-huh. I mean, even if, it, if it's in Jadzia, the symbiote exists as its own entity. Well, but after the symbiote is removed from Jadzia... Yeah. Doesn't Jadzia... Isn't Jadzia then part of the symbiote? Symbiote? Yeah. What about Tuvok and Tuvix? What are you talking about? Tuvix died. Janeway was like, you're dead. Yes, yes, that is different. But in terms of what they are when they're together, that's similar. I don't think so. (laughs) Intentionally. No, I don't think the intention is is that. I don't think that's the intention. What's the distinction? I think that's too much. You're giving too much... uh, Credence to both. Right. The thing I'm ascertaining from what you're saying is sort of like... When Jed Z and, and Dax 
join. It's more like two two beings working in tandem to kind of be this other being. Whereas in no Tuvix, two beings working in tandem to be Jedzia. Right. That's Whereas what I'm saying. Tuvix is just like I am neither. Neither. Yes. Neither Tuvok nor Tu. Yeah. To the degree that I almost hate them and want me to exist. Other than besides yes, them. and then I'm going to put out a big sob story in the in the bridge and make everyone try to save me, but no one's going to because they all love Janeway. Also, Tuvix was so creepy. Um, spoilers. <laughs> Lieutenant Perez. I feel like the distinction between those two things is it's almost more of just attitudinally what. Tuvix, what the, what the being feels to the two previous beings, or or gratitude, you know, right, right, or catitude, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Perez Edent says, "You two foodies were, of course, musing about separate replicators used for food and drinks and quarks and the replimat. So my question is regarding the quality of food and beverages from replicators." Do you think it's the quality of the, quote, recipes fed into the replicator or the quality or sophistication of the tech of the replicators that affects the quality of the food it produces? I imagine the Replicator 1000 is a superior product to the Packlid-made uh, Replocator Plus. Uh, I assume the name Replimat is a play on on words of the automats, which were popular fast food restaurants where simple foods and drinks were served by vending machines and there were there was typically no wait staff. Uh, these were popular at the turn of the century until about the 70s when the modern day fast food chains took over. I'm not invoking prime corrective, but it was never established that Quark owned or ran the Replimat. According to Memory Alpha, the Replimat did not feature Ferengi foods, as per the DS9 episode, Rules of Acquisition. I've not watched that episode in decades, so we'll have to wait to see why. And do we figure out why? I guess we'll have to wait to see. I don't have that kind of time. I'm not going to live that long. Look at this guy's already sick. He doesn't know if he's got COVID. Who knows what's going on with him? I told, I told Henry, I was like, I'm dying, bud. And, I, and then, like, very quickly, I was like, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm sick. I'm just, I'm, I've got a cold. It doesn't feel good. I'm not dying. Does he know <laughs> what dying means? I think he does to a degree. When do kids discover what dying means these days? I mean, when, uh, I think he really figured it out. Like, when the bee stung him and, and the bee lost his stinger and the bee died. I think that's oh, when yeah. he figured it out. I feel like I had a cousin who was like, 10 who was when I was when I was much younger that was asking me why a relative died maybe that's a different question maybe what was your answer because they were bad (laughs) (laughs) I panicked and sold that sold my grandma up the river Um, Ben Plavin. Don't be bad. You won't die. (laughs) She wasn't nice to me. (laughs) Ben Plavin says, when O'Brien and Odo are first surprised by Varad's team, shouldn't Odo have just, quote, swallowed his combat so they couldn't confiscate it? And then Tess adds on that, I wonder why no one instantly hit their combat as soon as the doors opened. <laughs> there seemed to be opportunity. I 100% would agree with both of you. It was a, that was a messed up 
moment for Odo. I don't know why he didn't do more. I don't know why he wasn't prepared for. It. He doesn't have he doesn't have a contingency plans and situations. And they were all super logy in response to what happened. Reasonable. Andy, the astrophysicist, says, as a parent who lets his children listen to quote this terrible program, I don't mind when my kids hear oh, curse no. words used I'm for so emphasis. Sorry. But I do object to them. We just also talked about death. Uh, but I do object to them hearing graphic arts described. And that's where the F the bed lands for me. For example, to exclaim fuck Cardassians is okay. But add the words I love to at the beginning, not okay. My, <laughs> How are you going to explain this exact hail to them? I, that's a good, that is a good question. I thought he was being careful, but I, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, my kids listen to you guys on an almost daily basis. So they're we're listening to repeat episodes? Good. Okay, oh, kids, welcome to the crew. Uh, so, yeah, I would prefer that uh, F the bed would die yesterday. Sorry, Andy. We already used it earlier. I mean, I'm happy for it to die. I only get reminded of it when Andy reads a hail with it in there. So really, it's you guys that are keeping it alive. Yeah. If y'all stop mentioning it, we'll forget. Guaranteed. <laughs> I guess I could. Uh, I could stop. Breathing. You could do that too, but that's you know. Look, but then you're de- you're depending on on uh, on Andy's brain then to remember yeah. that. Andy's brain, one of the uh, one of the most famous TOS episodes. Uh, the great and terrible Lizak says, uh, "I really feel like Jadzi and Dax have a lot of talking to do once they're rejoined. Dax didn't seem to be fighting John Glover at all after the initial transplant." The two of them are rejoined at the end of the episode, and Jedzia has to just has to integrate Dax's memory of being totally chill with her death. Is there a counselor on the station? These two are going to need a few a uh, few couples sessions. This kind of goes to what you were sort of what we were just sort of talking about the distinction between that and Tuvix, and I think it's a really good point that it's like, yeah, there's no there's no failsafe system in a symbiont to kind of go you know screw this new host he's evil I mean isn't the failsafe supposed to be the whatever they do don't they like uh, uh, but I'm getting like I'm, I'm, I'm my brain's in like discovery trill town so I don't know alright uh Kirito Sullivan says this is another weird case of two episodes in a row with similar vibes this episode and the previous one both involved the station being evacuated with only a skeleton crew remaining and a small group of mercenaries take over and somehow Quirk manages to stay behind while his brother flees to the runabout. I wondered if they originally wanted to make this episode continue the serialized structure we got in the first three episodes so the end of the episode of episode three would have been a cliffhanger setting up invasion, uh, invasion invasive procedures. It says invasion. I, I didn't make a mistake. Uh, I'm here for Dax. Uh, and cliffhanger. Yeah, maybe. It's definitely very strange. He's here for Dax and the film Cliffhanger, starring Sylvester Stallone and John Lithgow. I love that movie. I think it's I'm here for Dax and Cliffhanger. It's like and then it's like and it's continued in the next. Oh, I see. I thought he just really enjoyed the film Cliffhanger. I mean, it's possible. I'm I'm mad at me for doing this, so I imagine the audience also is. <laughs> I'll stop now. Um, that's it for the priority one messages. 
Then we have a couple of hails. Step oh, out to the corridor. That's, that's on us. Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. I suppose it is. It's on me, really. Let's go. Let's go to the corridor. <laughs> Captain, we are being hailed. What do we got? There's uh, something in the voice hail bag. It's not a voice, not a bag, really. That that's just it's in the it's in the system. It's in the computer. From play Will from Vermont, please. Hey, there, this is Will from Vermont, and uh, I have to say, uh, I found your show about a year ago when I was uh, diving back into uh, the Next Generation. I'm sorry, is this Will from Vermont or George Takei? Ha <laughs> ha. Really? He's got a voice like maple syrup, this guy. Oh my. Here's Will. And here's I was going through, well, let's just say, uh, unexpected divorce. And Star Trek always gave me comfort. I used to watch uh, The Next Generation with my moms uh, back in the day in the first run. Just like and you, Matt. I found you, uh, you dorks. And good lord, it's uh, been good company, I must say. Um, and uh, even so much so that I haven't quite finished the next generation yet. But I'm looking forward to uh, diving into the Deep Space Nine conversation, too. I didn't really take to it uh, in the first run. And that's mainly because uh, it didn't star uh, Captain Picard, uh, Commander Riker, Worf, Data. Beverly Crusher and Deanna Troy. We got Worf. Uh, so that was my fault. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And hmm, let's see here. Yeah, I might have uh, might have had a few uh, blood wines. A few of those so, Vermont uh, specials. I'll leave it at that. Anyway, thanks, guys. Uh, I just became a lieutenant because I figured nice. if I'm going to pay for motherfucking Paramount Plus, I might as well pay you, suckers. Too. Yeah. So give it the good work and. I appreciate it. Thanks. Will, we appreciate you and your listenership and your 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 Vermontiness. I hope you're staying dry, because Vermont is under a fuck ton of water right now. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do you just know that because you came from the East? How do you know that? Do I know that because I came from the East? I guess so. I mean, would it have permeated otherwise? Possibly, but Montpelier was like flooded as shit. Oh, crap. I hope everybody's yeah. staying safe out there. Lieutenant Zach Fortney, actually, it's not Lieutenant Zach Fortney, it's just Zach Fortney, says, uh, Greetings, gentlemen. I often hear hails that include an episode and time code for the host to hunt down during the show. As, a redis- as reticent as a huge fan such as myself might be to add to the production quality of the show, I would like to humbly offer my meager sound editing skills to those of us that neither have the time nor inclination to cut audio clips out of the podcasts, television episodes, or movies. To this end, I have secured the email address sttncclips at gmail.com. Anyone that would like a sound file with a reasonable amount of editing can message me an episode with the time code and a description of what they would like. You don't and want I'll get this. A- 
We don't? No, no. You. I'm talking to the person who's. Oh, no. He doesn't want this for sure. You don't want this. What are you doing yourself? And I'll get it back to them as soon as possible. I doubt this service will become so desirable that I'll have to prioritize. (laughs) You may be surprised, my friend. But in such a case, preference will be shown to hosts and lieutenant commanders. Uh, that he by that he means people who are in the Patreon. By the way, if Matt or Andy would prefer that I do not provide this service, simply respond oh, no. back Go some ahead. indication. Free. You're free to do it. And that is cheers, Lieutenant Zach in Arizona, President Circle entrant, Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardee, co-vice president of Love Incorporated. Citations available upon request. Um, that is an amazing service record. Yeah, I uh, mostly I think our concerns are are for you, Zach. But uh, Godspeed, said to let it, I guess we'll find out how it goes soon. Um, Matthew Gayford says, "Hey Andy, sorry for the late response uh, to your question on the most recent episode. I was overseas the last few weeks, so I was behind. Inexcusable." Uh, on my eight-hour flight home, was happy to hear that my email was interesting while I sipped on my complimentary airline scotch. Thanks again for the work you and Myra put in. It makes that part of my life job more enjoyable. Um, turning to your question <laughs> regarding whether a resource-rich country's rulers using said wealth to keep the citizenry fat and happy makes them, quote, good rulers, that depends on one's political point of view. But for mine, even the most liberal tyranny or enlightened despotism is not preferable to a liberal democracy. Saudi Arabia is the example most often used today in contemporary politics classes. The Saudi regime does a lot with its massive oil wealth to keep Saudi citizens happy, including excellent state-run health care and education, great civil services, free post-secondary education, protectionist policies that favor local businesses, subsidized fuel, and low taxes. These privileges make perpetrating, uh, sorry, perpetuating the ruling regime very desirable for many Saudis, but only for those who benefit from it. In this system, women, minority Shia, Shia Muslims, um, resident foreign laborers, mostly from Pakistan, India, and Philippines, and non-Saudi, Arab, or other Middle Eastern nationals do not benefit from it and indeed face discrimination and oppression, including so-called morality police. Oh, my God. There's a morality police? I guess that would make sense. Tell um, me about it. It's called Twitter. <laughs> Jesus, I gotta man. go. Jesus, I'm so this is a really serious issue that's happening that. on Saturday. My head Arabia. hurts a lot. You're you know, doing. Get this like, sinus <laughs> thing. <laughs> Uh, with on the bright side, I love golf, you know? <laughs> Can't, I'm so happy they bought it. I think you're Jay Leno. With the tacit consent of the majority Saudi population, uh, of course, especially the men. Moreover, the Saudi royal... <laughs> Thanks for joining me on the show. So, uh... The main so, question uh, is... Uh, actually does a lot of work uh, over there to help women who are oppressed by the regime. But uh, I love golf. You know, Kevin, I, mean, really, I love golf. Really what the women need over there, the, they need a, uh, a group like the Benny Jethret to, uh, you know, to uh, work and uh, control the political system. And, uh, only, that's the only thing I know about Mavis <laughs> is that she does tra- very she does charitable good work over there like to help oppressed women. Is that true? Regime. Yes. Well, that's a nice tie-in. Moreover, the royal Saudi family and their supporters are using this money and power to impose their will on other Middle Eastern states uh, through economic and diplomatic coercion. 
not like America, huh? As well as outright force, wage a cold war against their regional rival Iran, and export a radical fundamentalism version of Islam abroad. The military and economic power afforded them by their resources also cause many dem- democratic countries, most importantly the United States, to see them as an ally of convenience despite their lack of democracy and terrible human rights record. In short, the majority of the people, again meaning the men in the socially conservative country, may be happy, but that does not make the Saudi elite good or fair rulers. So that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's generally as you, I think your instinct is right Matthew because even if you're doing good for the people there's probably a lot of negative if it's a uh, some kind of some version of a despotic system um, and it's just a question of what form yeah but have you seen the live tour it's really great 54 holes <laughs> um, you know except for Dr. Doom who is always a, a good and fair ruler Sword uh, Prime Corrective. Uh, order. This is also order above all else. That's the doom <laughs> way. Uh, this is from a historian, um, and this is uh, also uh, Matthew Gayford says, uh, unless you're bedridden on death's door or don't have hands, you can lift a broadsword. This is our dispute. Of I was saying, um, I think couldn't you lift a broadsword? And you were saying it would maybe too big. And heavy. We're talking and, about the lightsaber. Yeah, but it was. I think we were tying it to a broadsword, wasn't it? Well, it's because the 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 cross the cross the cross hilt one. He wields it like a like a, it's wielded like a uh, like a broadsword. You know, right. pretty slow, lumbering. Right, looks pretty heavy. Anyway, he says, uh, as someone presumably untrained swinging it will probably throw you off balance and you could hurt yourself but contrary to what matt said you could lift one easily oh i guess you had the other side interestingly what people mean by broadsword varies names of particular types and sizes of swords are very willy-nilly in english what precisely a broadsword is varies from broad bladed but a single-handed early modern scott sword to a heavy heavy german zweihander with weight ranging from 1.5 to 4 kilograms. A man of your size, judging by the office and the crawl show, can easily lift that. I think you'd be surprised, Matthew. Loving the new episodes. Thanks again, Matthew. <laughs> A lot of detail from Matthew. Yeah, Brad's, uh, Brad's was, uh, it can be pretty heavy. Um, yeah, they're all hand-to-hand combat in Dune because they, you know, they got rid of the uh, the AI. So, uh, Kevin, Kevin, have you ever listened to Brad's one? As a matter of fact, uh, Lathoth were uh, outlawed because they'd have caught the nuclear disaster when I hit the shield. Um, undiscovered country versions. Uh, Matt and Andy, been listening since... I don't know if you already have this information, Matt. Been listening since the beginning of the podcast. Finally have something to add clarification to. Undiscovered country is what fully brought me into Star Trek fandom. I was a casual TNG watcher. I'm listening. But this movie just hit me right to the then 16-year-old me. Uh, There was a theatrical version released in 1991. I saw it opening night multiple more times during the theater run. Then on VHS, it was released as an extended cut that added three scenes. Two discussed on the podcast involved Colonel West. Don't forget about Odo. Uh, The third was when Scotty, Spock, and Valeris are discussing the torpedoes inventory around 43 minutes. Scotty blurted out 
that the kingdom Klingon bitch uh, never uh, wouldn't shed a tear. Klingon bitch killed her own father. Yeah, uh, stood out when I saw the director's cut on VHS. The noted visual flashbacks added during the Spock Valerius mind meld was were added later in the director's cut Blu-ray release. Thanks for the podcast, Neil. Why would Nicholas Meyer think they needed that? That's so wild to me. Isn't it just... Eh, it felt like say a there's added like a, footage. It felt like a studio note. I feel like, it's, I feel like it's just at that point, it's like, well, we can charge more. We'll get more interest if we say there's more different... No, but there's already, he already described a couple other scenes that ended up in there, you know, that weren't the theatrical release. Yeah, but isn't it all more footage? Isn't it all more that game? But, like, does Nicholas Meyer from interviews strike you as the kind of guy who's like, yeah, let's repackage this and sell it again? He's a he's a journeyman I mean, director. I say this I say this as there's like 500 versions of the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, which right. I'd love to see all of them. Moving on, Prime Corrective, Matthew. Yes. Time for retrospective. Cause truth is our objective. It's a Prime Corrective because Matt Andy got it wrong. Just Andy. Uh, I think some of them are me. Uh, Ricardo Garcia says on the recent pod Andy asked if Odo or other changelings could make a part of their body a comm badge or something else and then hand it to them as we find out during the and then there's stuff you know the future stuff the uh, the certain kind of changelings uh, make to pretend to be human go back to their liquid state once separated from their body so no they can't Although in Picard we see a situation where that doesn't happen. Different, different, different shit, man. Yeah. Oh, although they've been altered, right? Those new ones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Dick Warlock Esquire says, uh, "How do they miss that Megan Gallagher was on the Larry Sanders show?" <laughs> You're totally right. She's Larry Sanders' wife or ex-wife. That's on us. Apologies. And lastly, David Oni Rall says, I get a strong vibe that my insistent pronunci- incessant pronunciation corrections, it's a bad one to stumble over, are super endearing and welcome here, just like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so here I go again. Uh, regarding uh, hubris, it's hubris rather than so who hubris. Who said hubris? I said hubris. Why? Why would you do that? Because I'm an idiot, and I have a mother that only read things in the New York Times. This she is never, like she this never is, heard anyone my, saying them. This is my favorite part of Andy's background story, which is that his mother was a vociferous reader, yes. who absorbed every word in the English language, but never the pronunciation portion. Yeah, and like so, she would tell you a word, yes, and you'd just be like, "Thanks, mom, I got it." Yeah, it's like me. <laughs> My, I'm sure I've said this before. My father would say, would would say that she was a Russian agent because she would always get occasional words wrong. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, David is it is well in both British and it's hubris, and I'm sure I'm going to do it again. Feel free to prod me, folks. Uh, you know, tweet it at me. Need a hubris. mnemonic? Just think of a big pride. day for our favorite Borg. 
Whose bris is this? It's you's bris. <laughs> I wonder if I will remember it now. Anyway, that's it for the hails. Was, uh, if you would like beautiful. to send in a hail, you can send it to sdtncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. You can and tweet. don't forget to head over to TikTok. Oh, yeah. This is where we do it, huh? We yep. uh, we started TikTok. It's the same as our Instagram and our Twitter, which is at Star Trek TNC. Um, it's non-chronological, guys. Uh, currently, we're going to be focusing a little bit on... Um, some you know kind of strange new worlds and sort of patreon centric stuff uh but uh it's pretty wide open so um whatever uh we got our our friend lieutenant commander jeff mullins so go get a taste of that he made some uh he made some stuff for us um so yeah uh you can tweet matt myra at matt myra and you can instagram him there you can instagram me at andrew secunda uh, my Twitter is um, just at Secunda, and my Threads is also at Andrew Secunda. I got a Threads, and also we have a Threads now. I don't know what we're going to do with any of these. If anybody has suggestions, feel free to let us know. If you'd like to send in a voice hail, send it to eight one six Trek TNC. That was really long, but we've been off for a while. We crossed many doors to many places Your hands made us think of all your faces So plug TNC in your little board node Let's talk about this week's episode This week's episode is called Cardassians It aired on the 24th of October, 1993 What was happening? Well, Matt That was my sister Kim's... 22nd birthday? Oh, yeah? Yeah. October 24th. Um, Number one song in the U.S. was Dream Lover. Oh, I love that song. Way to go, Mariah. Number one song in the U.K. was I Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. Sure. By Meatloaf. Bobby Darren's Dream Lover. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what I was going to say. I don't think you got the right one. That was the right one. one. Alternative song was Heart Shaped Fox by Nirvana. By the way, you know if this was the UK charts, this would be the This version. would be, be the number one. And it'd, be done, yeah. it'd be done by like some guy in EastEnders recorded it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number one alternative song Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana Matt loves Bobby Darren I do I really am a fan Oh the shark has And you know I enjoyed the film Regardless of the fact that It's probably you know Problematic now Which one? Is there a Bobby the Darren Bobby movie? Darren Beyond the Sea biopic starring Cameron Spacey. Oh. Um, are you a big Bobby Darren head? I, I like think, Bobby Darren. I don't, I don't like think that's Bobby ever been Darren. revealed on this on this pod or wow. otherwise. Guys, you're getting exclusives. Many years into the show, you're finding out now that I like Bobby Darren. I guess it stands to reason with all of our Frank Sinatra discussions. Um, 
Number one TV show that week, Home Improvement, burst that week. <laughs> Actor Troy Gentile. Nice. Oh, yeah, Troy's an October birthday. From Goldberg's. Uh, Deaths that week, Vincent Price and River Phoenix. Oh, no. At the same the club. Did you know that? Was... <laughs> really? Was that the Viper Room? <laughs> Both outside the Viper Room. Uh, events, the UPN Network is announced. My old network. Uh, the... Uh, uh, Got Milk commercials aired. Tupac Shakur is arrested for shooting two off-duty police officers. I don't remember that. Been there, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, cop killer's about you, right? Who among Ask us has been falsely accused? You know, that's all I'm saying. Time Magazine cover. All the rage. Angry young rockers like Pearl Jam. <laughs> Angry young rockers like Pearl Jam in 1993. This is what you're writing. Interesting. Okay. Now we have an Elsewhere in Trek, Matthew. Yes, we do. I can't wait to play the theme again. Everyone, as we all know, this is readily available, and I'll be playing it very shortly. Elsewhere in Trek. So I found it quicker than I thought. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Engage. What's happening in Star Trek Elsewhere's? Well, he's elsewhere in Trek. Uh, TNG gave us Phantasms on October 23rd, which described a busy week aboard the Enterprise. The ship got a new warp core. Riker trolled Worf by introducing Alexander to Jazz, and Data started having cake and phone-based nightmares. (laughs) Cake and phone-based nightmares. I mean, it was really cake-based, the way he ate that Deanna Troy cake. Yeah. Anyway. What else is going on out there? That was it in Trek, so... That's it. Now we can actually talk about the episode for you people who are in terrible pain. So we're going to pass on this section. Just know that it's in our hearts, and we're out of there. Okay. Uh, This is Cardassians, which... Uh, was teleplayed by James Crocker and a story by Gene Woland and John Wright, directed by the Cliffs of Bowl himself, Cliff Bowl. Mm. Garrick and Dr. Bashir investigate abandoned Cardassian war orphans on Bajor. I like that it's just like this. It's it's a it's a two hander this episode. It's these two. Yeah. Here we go. We gotta share the screen with Andy. And then the adventure can begin in your ears, everybody. Ah, and tea again, Doctor? Yes, and you're drinking rocassa juice, aren't you, Garrick? How did you know? The odor is unmistakable. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> rocassa juice. Su- that was actually how Andy and I first met. <laughs> Same same exact scenario. Noticing his rocasa juice. <laughs> I laughed because his set to smell so good. I was like, <laughs> "Would you like to do a podcast?" Why, certainly. It. Had a very demanding customer today. A Bajoran engineer who comes to the shop constantly just to plague me. You know, I've always wondered about that about who your steady customers really are. I can't imagine Bajorans frequenting a shop run by a Cardassian. I like to think that my expertise and willingness to serve 
overcome any general resentments any of my clientele may have. Ah, and perhaps your expertise and willingness to serve go so far as to establish a certain trust between ah, you and your customers? Trust is very important. And I've never heard it discussed, but I bet I bet they really had fun with Garrick's outfits because he's a tailor. So they were like, we got to make this guy's outfits. I was just thinking this seems, seems like a little bit of a sedate outfit based on those those pieces of information and and Garrick being kind of a kind of a flamboyant character I mean he's got this it's, it looks like he's just wearing like a striped sweater how dare you and once they trust you they're much more open with you and they tell you things really doctor must we always play this game I'm no more a spy than you are a a doctor. I'm afraid you really do allow your imagination to run away with you. What else can I say to finally convince you that I'm just plain, simple Garak? Precisely. Now there's something you don't see every day. Two people with uh, giant Legos on their heads. And a man child. What is he, fifty? This guy? <laughs> this boy. Is it just the is it just the makeup? But he looks like an old man. He looks like a man. Cardassians uh, they, they, they don't successfully look young. Right, those kids that are at the camp. Oh, yeah, all. they're better. They're know? better. On the contrary. I've never seen him before in my life. I hope I'm not intruding. But I couldn't help noticing what a what a handsome young man you have here. So what I, uh, my read on this situation is that kid does not like to be hit on. Uh, wow. Rude. I think that that kid just was very hungry. He was waiting for food. <laughs> was that what it was? Oh. Yeah, it was taking forever. Uh, I feel like Attack. everything Garrick says sounds like he's trying to seduce someone. He's like Jeff Goldblum in that way. It's the beauty of Garrick's character. Where? At the replimat, he was bitten on the hand. Another unsatisfied customer? He always cuts the pants too long. Actually, it was a boy. A Cardassian boy. I wasn't aware we had any Cardassian children on the station. We don't. He's just arrived on a Bajoran transport with an adult Bajoran who says he's his father. Boy was probably one of the orphans left behind when the Cardassians pulled out. We had no choice but to take care of them. You have an incoming subspace transmission from Cardassia, Commander. It's called Dukat. In my office. Yeah, could have given him a nice island and a conch cell, you know? Sent all these kids off to a Lord of the Flies type situation. See what they do with it. You're just a Cardassian hater. I just I'm like... From you. I just like fun stories. <laughs> you just want to see Lord of the Flies with Cardassians. I just hope they're nicer make to you Piggy. A monster? I want them to be nicer to Piggy. <laughs> Commander, it's been brought to my attention that the sole Cardassian living on your station has been assaulted. I'm surprised how quickly the news reached you, Ducat. I only heard about it myself a minute ago. Well, is it true he was attacked by a Cardassian boy brought to the station by a Bajoran? This, a Cardassian boy appears This part to be of the story is so funnily haphazard to me because it's like... I, I imagine Gul Dukat sitting in his office being like... Finally, Operation Shame is 
in effect. <laughs> I've waited for a decade for this guy to return so that I could shame this my political opponent. Yeah, it does seem sort of like long Like I thought term. they were going to end up be it was going to end up not being his son and they just lied to him and the son was dead. I thought well, that was going to be a better conclusion to the episode. I mean, cuz who verifies the DNA? Called Ducatos. So it's like I don't know, whatever. Involved, yes. Exactly as I feared. Exactly as I've been warning my colleagues. Warning them? Cardassian war orphans, Commander. Abandoned when we left Bejor. It's a disgrace. And obviously these children are being raised to hate their own kind. This incident is proof. You're assuming a lot from one incident. Am I? Then why would this boy attack poor Garrick? An amiable fellow, if ever there was one. If you like, I'll try to find out. That would be most appreciated, Commander. I need to find out everything I can about this boy. So that I can use his story in my fight to bring these orphans back to their homeland. This is a tragedy that all of Cardassia is going to have to address. We didn't come here to cause trouble. You have anything to say, Andy? It's sort of just pipe, meaning exposition, so far. Sure. Nothing really to say. Dozens than, like him to fend for themselves. Other than? Uh, never mind, just keep going. Okay, well, I don't have to keep going, because it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> the, have to play everything. This, I, mean. I don't know. This, this... What do you want to hear? What do you want to talk about? In this one, he's like, to us, he isn't even Cardassian anymore. He's Bajoran. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like it's like he's saying, like, I mean, I'm not Bajoran because my, my makeup is oddly worse than all the other Bajorans in the show. <laughs> like, this guy has... what Cardassia did to Look at this. <laughs> like they he did this in 10 minutes on this guy. I make no apologies. I think the it's nose, perfect. the color doesn't match. It doesn't seem like it's joined at the top of the nose. When a Cardassian gets angry about their adopted child, the yeah. blood flushes from their nose. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. He isn't even one of them anymore. He isn't Cardassian. He's Bajoran. I wish I was Bajoran. And we love him. Instead, I bought this nose at Spencer's gift. <laughs> Davo! It would appear as if you have this game all figured out. Davo! Davo is a passion of mine. I remember you, your doctor. Bashir. Bashir, yes. How's the Cardassian? Still has all his fingers, I presume? Yes, luckily there were no broken bones. I've never seen a boy take a bite out of a man's hand like that. He's a strange boy, Rugal. Do you know the family well? Davo! Do you? Look, this is really none of my business. Well, you were a witness. I just want to get my facts right for the medical report. I'd really rather you ask someone else. Frankly, I don't understand your attitude. All I asked was if you know them well. Well enough. I heard the father was looking for a new job several months ago, and I offered to help. I visited them on Bajor several times. Did you find anything troubling? 
It must be torture for that boy living like that. Hated by people he thinks of as his parents. Told day after day he's worthless Cardassian scum. Dacian. Beaten if he even looks the wrong way. Rugal is their revenge. Their revenge against all Cardassians. So, you know, this guy... I would put this guy in the quintessential ugly alien, unfortunate alien face category. Like, he's got a mushed down pig face. It seems like he's got an exposed brain. Just, just, the, the, <laughs> the, just a brain. quintessential space uggo. Uh, you remember in the in the Twilight Zone episode, the Eye of the Beholder? Like, yeah. he's like, oh, no, she's horrible looking. And then you see her and she's like. I mean, I don't care. That nurse was still pretty hot. Pig nose nurse? <laughs> in, in that episode of Twilight yeah. Zone? Yeah. All right. Yeah, everybody's got their, their taste. I get down with that. All right. That's fair. It is not true. It is not true. Rugal will tell you we have not mistreated him. That sounded very Tommy Wiseau. I did not hit her. I did not. Is this some Cardassian? There'll be ample opportunity to go over the matter in detail. But during the investigation, we'd like for Rugal to stay with our school teacher, Mrs. O'Brien. Okay, She's Mark. Expecting him now. What if I refuse? Then I'll have to call security and have them remove him from your quarters. I don't think either of us wants that. He's really, he's really milking those pauses. This guy, he knows he's. They're trapped into the. I'm not on camera much longer in this episode. <laughs> I'm going to pause shot. for a while. <laughs> oh. If it hadn't happened, we'd never have discovered Rugal's situation. And a bite in the hand is certainly worth saving a boy's life, wouldn't you say? I suppose it depends on whose hand. Just joking, Doctor. Perhaps it might even help Gul Dukat in his efforts to resolve the entire war orphan predicament. I beg your pardon? Gul Dukat? He called Commander Sisko right after this happened. Apparently he was quite concerned with your well-being. You never mentioned you were friends. <laughs> Brain. You said Dukat is doing something about war orphans? He wants to bring them all home from Bejor. Does he? Am I missing something? Tell me, Doctor. Is there a single trait you would ascribe to me and my fellow Cardassians? Would it not be our attention to detail? Do you think we simply forgot about those poor little orphans when we left, Bejor? Do you think they simply slipped from our minds? And who, would you guess, was in charge of the Cardassian withdrawal from Bejor? I don't know how to thank you. Don't thank me too quickly, Descartes. The boy could be returned to his adoptive parents. After the accusations this businessman has made... That's all it is for the moment, an accusation. We would not take kindly to the boy being returned to the Bajorans. However, I have complete confidence in your ability to be thorough, Commander. And if there's anything I can do... As a matter of fact, there is. If it is decided that the boy is to be returned to Cardassia, to whom would we return him? It might help to find out if he still has any living relatives. I was going to suggest that you forward us a sample of the boy's DNA and we'll run it through our databanks immediately. We'll send it right away. 
Excuse me, Galdukat. I have a question. Dr. Bashir, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it Sit true that you were in charge of the evacuation of Major? Yes, I was. Then it would have been your responsibility to ensure that these orphans were in fact part of that evacuation, yet you chose to leave them behind. Why? I was had a lot I to do that day. I did not choose to leave them behind, Doctor. I was ordered to leave them behind. Ordered? By whom? By the civilian leaders. Excuse they... me, but if I understand the Cardassian political system correctly, the civilian leaders have no direct authority over military officers. Who's been tutoring you in Cardassian social studies, Doctor? And are you having sex Your with them? friend, Garak. Or the bed, well, perhaps. Well, perhaps you should remind my old friend, Garrick. <laughs> That's a phraseology the that uh, was a decision no problem made with. by the yeah. civilian leaders, one which I clearly opposed. And yes, they made the decision to leave the orphans behind. A decision I've regretted ever since. Thank you for your concern, Doctor. Good day, Commander. He's lying. Is that an opinion? Or do you have evidence to support it? I have Garak. Garak. He seems to think there's more going on here than we realize. What exactly does he think is going on? I'm not sure. He doesn't actually tell me what he really thinks. I sort of have to deduce it. <sighs> so, you deduced that Garak thinks Dukat is lying about something you're not sure of. And you proceeded to interrupt my conversation to confront him about whatever that might be. I'm sorry, Commander. It, it just seemed an opportune... Don't apologize. It's been the high point of my day. Don't do it again. Why would Garrick want to undermine Gold Ducat? I'm not really... Classic Cisco. It's pretty great. It's really nice. And it kind of feeds into what kind of, uh, you know, you've been saying about Cisco that I'm just, you know, getting acclimated to is because he, he's a hard ass in the scene, but he's a hard ass in a reasonable way. Yeah. Like this he guy, no Jellico. He genuinely means that. That was yeah. the, this is the highlight of my day. Yeah. But don't you fucking go <laughs> over my head like that or I will kill you. Be <laughs> sure. I don't think he likes a to cut very much. I'd like to ask Garrick about this myself. Have him in my office at 2100 hours. Ooh, the witching hour. Yes, sir. This cute look from Kira. Then fucking Game Boy guy, right? I like that they have a lot in this show, like even if it's not written Defender. in the script, like Kira being amused, like that, that Bashir sort of stepped in and mixed it up with Golducott and they don't even have that in the script and I wonder like is that written into the script that Kira looks on with amusement or is that just a Cliff Bowl decision I wonder may never know she's asleep she and Rugal played all afternoon he wore her out you let them play together why not that dirty Cardassian? Boy almost bit He's a fucking Cardi. <laughs> Don't you understand, Keiko? He's not like that. He's really very gentle. Gentle was bred out of these Cardassians a long time ago. You know, 
That was a very ugly thing you just said. I only said. I don't need to hear it twice. <laughs> I only said it was selective it breeding by a race of <laughs> savages. <laughs> Just saying, you know this is her big misstep here. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't think Keiko is this obtuse uh-huh. that she would produce a Cardassian meal for this kid. Like, she right. sees the Bajoran earring, she knows the situation. Right. Instead, she'd be like, "Here's a hamburger. It's an American food. Have a great time." Right. Sorry, an Earth food. I hope you like it. What is he doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saying grace to himself. <laughs> I really don't like that you're not respecting this boy as an o- his own individual. What is this weird prayer you're doing, kid? <laughs> Ooh, Miles, you might have been right. <laughs> Jeez. Maybe you shouldn't play with Kit with Molly. <laughs> uh, you know. You should be telling so Keiko, Turns out Keiko has no problem with Cardassians. She just hates Bajorans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, after what they did to her school, of course. That is true. I want to go home. Well, you'll understand that. You're a Cardassian. They should have taken you home when they left. No, I mean home. To Bajor. After all, I've lived here for 51 years. I look very old. It must be tough for you. you know, being a cardi. Being a filthy cardi. <laughs> being Cardassian. That's not my fault. Isn't it? I was born that way. That's not what I meant. There's nothing wrong with being a Cardassian. Is that sweater wearing your you're wearing your fault? Who taught you that? It's awful. It's the truth. Everybody knows it. How do your parents feel about Cardassians? They hate them. Why would you want to live with someone who hates you? They hate other Cardassians, not me. I'm a good Cardassian. My parents have never done anything wrong Doesn't to look me. Like he has like a teenage oh, mustache going in. Even I got my bottom whacked by my dad once or twice. Not me. Well, too much information. My uh, parents future. The of the still hidden kids. Jeez. I think it came back into popularity in like 2285. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. And it was like, you got to try this out. These kids are so much quieter now. What do you think of Kardashians? Me? Well, I I can't say really. Why not? Because it's well, hateful. You, you can't <laughs> judge a whole race of people. You can't hate all Cardassians or all Klingons or all humans. I've met some Cardassians I didn't like. And I've met some I did. Like you. So here's where I'm confused. Uh, This guy's like a whole new guy in between these little mini scenes. If you go back to the previous scene, also, uh, it looks like uh, he's got a haircut in between these two scenes. (laughs) His hair looks different in between these two it must have been a very short amount of time. And so here's here's my theory. I think sometimes on this show, a changeling is impersonating O'Brien. 
Oh, I thought you were talking about the kid. All of a sudden, you're talking about Chief O'Brien. Yeah. Well, uh, because the previous scene, he's talking about, you know, he's he's being a racist. And this one, he's saying, hey, you can't judge someone by uh, their species. Well, that's because he saw, you know, he saw the way Keiko behaved towards his prayer. <laughs> and he's like, he learned, I'm coming around. I'm coming around learned, on this. <laughs> you learned a lesson from yeah. her racism towards yeah. Cardassians. Yeah. yeah. It's very complex. They're both jumping back and forth all Steve. the time. Steve. Do you know how many Bajorans the Cardassians murdered during the occupation? Over 10 million. We had a Whoa. test on it in school. A large number. I wish I wasn't Cardassian. I wish, I wish O'Brien's like, no, that never happened. Maybe 10,000. <laughs> He's like, clearly a Holocaust denier. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I think that they're both they're both maybe awful uh, people, and uh, and I think that the only reason that that uh, O'Brien really takes up an opposite position is just like, oh, this will be a chance for me to really stick it to Keiko. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times that they're arguing is out of hand. Come, Doctor, get dressed. We need to be going. Going. Going where? To Bejo. <laughs> You gonna tell me that scene doesn't read creepy? I assume this. He's be he's hang, he appears no, over his uh, bed. I choose a runabout. Yeah. No one's saying it doesn't read creepy. Who? What are you talking about? I'm just saying. Stop! <laughs> stop having straw man arguments with yourself, Andy. And that's why I'm right. <laughs> we agree. <laughs> Don't fight me. <laughs> it's Garak, sir. We Born messed around a little. Major. Bajor, for what? He wouldn't tell me. It's a surprise. Will one runabout be enough? Very funny. Ops to Cisco. Go ahead. Commander, there's an urgent communication for you from Gull to Cot. I'm only getting paid for ADR in this episode. Do I have a character, sir? I'm actually the editor. I I I left the scratch track in. I'm sorry to disturb you at such a late hour. Does commander. my character have a name, sir? But thanks to the DNA gene type you sent us, we've discovered the boy is actually the son of one of our most prominent politicians, Kotan Pedar. When was Pedar on Bajor? Over eight years ago. He was exarch for a Cardassian settlement there. And the boy was believed to have died in a Bajoran terrorist attack. Has he been told his son is alive? Of course. As you can imagine, he's overwhelmed with joy. He's already on his way to the station to reclaim him. It's not that simple. I don't understand. The boy wants to go back to Bajor. Back? To live with the same brutal people? I can't find any evidence to support that accusation. I can't even find the man who made it in the first place. Nevertheless, once the boy finds out his real father's alive, surely he'll change his mind. And even if he doesn't, it would be in the boy's best interests. We'll just have to see what happens when Padar gets here. Cisco out. It looks like Operation Goldicott gets one over on Padar. Finally, is go. Uh, is this channel still open? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'll also say? Oh, thank God he hit the button. Cisco's uh, wearing these kind of uh, kind of prim 50s style pajamas that are uh, almost kind of like Janeway in style. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I dig that for uh, Cisco. I think he should have something with a little more, more panache. Every, every captain has a comfy set of pajamas. 
Picards are silly because they're silk and shorts. They're all ill-fitting to the person. This is my the. I, the I think as soon as they get into what the uh, the captains would wear casually, in my opinion, they're always wrong. Resettlement center. Yes. Uh, I'm Doctor Bashir from Federation Commander Deep Space Nine. I've been trying to find some information on a Cardassian war orphan who was apparently placed for adoption here. Yes, the Bajorans have opened their hearts to many abandoned children. The boy's name was Rugal, and the Bajoran who adopted him was named Proca McDowell. I don't recognize either of the names. What was it you were trying to find out about? I think they're made up. Yes. Exactly what are we trying to find out about them? The circumstances surrounding the young man's adoption. It took place about eight years ago. The Cardassians were still here. You'll never find anything from back then. Oh, the Cardassians are quite meticulous record keepers, madam. They've taught many worlds, including this one, how to keep records. I find it difficult to believe that none exist from that period. Certainly, computer entries were made on a regular basis. I wouldn't know. I wasn't a volunteer then. I was in the underground. Really? Perhaps the underground we railroad. Met. Look, it's real, you know. There's steam. Computers. <laughs> Our computers don't work. I can't get a technician to come out. We're not exactly a top priority. Uh, perhaps... I can be of service. You can fix. Am I wrong that every time we've seen the planet, yeah, it is beautiful. It is like a paradise, and this is a place that's been like, <laughs> you know, oppressed and and in war situations for hey, look, how long. You've been, you've been to London. Yeah. You've been to Paris. Yeah. These are places that have been through shit. How long been ago to Berlin? Were the wars? That's though? not a great example. Berlin was mostly rebuilt, but still. How, was it, weren't the wars more recent here? This is eight years ago. Yeah, so we're talking about like 40 or I 50 know. years difference. But like, you know, London's still beautiful. Years. 1952, yeah. walking down London. I'm sure there are many blown out flats uh, from the bombs, but they're not going to show those parts on their TV shows about visiting London. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. I continue to underestimate you, Garak. Oh, it's no more difficult than sewing on a button, actually. Excuse me. You carry this everywhere with you, do you? A simple tailoring tool. You'd be surprised how often someone needs their pants let out. Oh, it's not there. Tell me about it. What's not there? Rugal's name, his father's name, none of it. You know what I'm saying, don't you, Doctor? Their pants let out? I'm very overweight, I'm very fat. Would you like to let your pants out now, Doctor? Why are you saying it like that, Garrick? That's how I say everything. It's true. That is how you say everything. <laughs> Set up a data bank, cross-referencing age group, sex, year of adoption. Computer, disregard that request and shut down all engines. Phew! I had a better sound effect. Does the computer need I'm that sorry, for when it has energy for information? <laughs> It's not like a, a fucking warp drive that it's... Well, they shut the engines down. Huh. The no, organs. I guess that's true. Fair enough. Children without parents have no status in Cardassian society. The situation is most unfortunate, but I don't make the rules. But you do play the game, don't you, Garrick? And there is a game being played right now as we speak, isn't there? There are always games, Doctor. The trouble is... I don't have the slightest idea what this game is all about. 
So you're going to tell me what's going on inside that plain and simple head I'm a real my Cardassian friend, or we're going to sit here until we rot? Tell me, Doctor. Why do you think the Cardassians let Bajor? Goldukat said it was a decision made by your civilian leaders. And isn't it interesting that one of Cardassia's most notable civilian leaders has recently entered this scenario? Rugal's father? You're saying Kotan Padar was involved in the decision to evacuate Bajor? Oh, very good, Doctor. I'm glad to see our little get-togethers haven't gone for naught. Which makes him a political enemy of Goldukat's. Who lost his job as prefect when they withdrew. And seemingly out of nowhere, Dukat takes an interest in this orphan boy who recently arrives on our station. And then soon afterwards, with Gull Dukat's assistance, we discover that the orphan boy isn't really an orphan boy, but Pudar's long-lost son. Another coincidence. I believe in coincidences. Coincidences happen every day. But I don't trust coincidences. I love that line. That is good writing. Oh my god! What is grief but love? What is the, what is the line? For? <laughs> love persevering. <laughs> oh man! I mean, when Garrick said that line, it was like you you could hear a, a million screenwriters going, "Oh crap!" Oh fuck! Oh fuck! That was it. <laughs> Um, it's a great line, nonetheless. I do not back off of my stance. It is a good uh, line. No one's disagreeing. Stop with the straw man arguments to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, right. what else? Where's my son? Well, he's with my wife. They'll be back shortly. Get me back, my son. I thought it might be a good idea if we talked first. I, I didn't kill my wife. What? Your son, <laughs> Rugal. At least they didn't change his name. This is Harrison Ford. When was the last time you saw him? On Bajor. He had just had his fourth birthday. He probably doesn't even remember me. Does he? I think he spent most of his life trying to forget you. I don't think I understand. The boy hates everything he is. How could he forget me? I'm he very hates cool. Cardassians. He Look hates being a Cardassian. Yes, I've heard those stories. I'm like a maroon jackhammer. What? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. I gotta go. And you lost him. Then I expect you could imagine what I'm feeling right now. On Cardassia, family is everything. We care for our parents and children with equal devotion. In some households, four generations eat at the same table. Family is everything. Cardassia is an olive garden. When you're there, you're family. But only if you're Cardassia. Otherwise, you suck. Ability to abandon my son. To allow him to be raised by a Bajoran. I have disgraced everything that a Cardassian believes in. We waited outside till he said he was a disgrace. 
What is that awful sweater he's wearing? He's got the same forehead spoon as me. <laughs> Hello, Rugal. <laughs> I like that Keiko's like, no, no. Get close to this man. You know what? Yeah. When he came into O'Brien's apartment, I believe that his sweater was all the way down to his wrists. And now it's up to his elbows, just like O'Brien. Wow. That's, I mean, look, he's a great father figure to me. He's really good at assimilating quickly. There was nothing left of the house. After the attack, your mother was dead. And you, I cried for you, Rugal. I blessed you so much. Like this. I could not even stay on It was just like that. That's what I did every night, you know. Uh, all this being said, uh, all our, our all our little jokes. Okay, we've had our fun, but let me say uh, this scene is just really some fucking great complex drama. I think Kotan really feels the the pain of having lost a son. Um, but all of Rugal's points about the, you know, about the war, are, I think are true, right? Like, you know, the genocide and all that crap. Yeah. Uh, he said in a sensitive manner. I mean, it wasn't 10 million. Come on. <laughs> Don't be a denier. What are you talking about? <laughs> Come on, Bajor. Cardassian Holocaust denier. No, it's a Bajoran. Bajoran Holocaust. I was saying it was the whatever you get perpetrated it. by the Cardassians. Perpetrated by the Cardassians. Who couldn't possibly? I mean, they're just record keepers, right? I think that's just their primary skill. I think you may be in need of an arbitrator to settle this. Well, it must be someone who is neither a Cardassian. Nor Bajoran. What about uh, you? I wish Worf slid into the room. <laughs> but wouldn't you have objections because of the Federation's relationship with Bajor? No, Commander. You are a father, too. You would be acceptable to me. Very well, then. I'll schedule... A... Order to Commander Sisko. I'm in the middle of yes. something, oh, no. <laughs> I thought you might be interested to know Gul Dukat has just arrived on the station. Which gold to cut? Station log, Stardate 47177.2. The arrival of Gold Ducat only powers my suspicion that we are being manipulated in some unseen manner. Dr. Bashir and Gary continue to search it. for anything of relevance in the adoption files. So far, they found nothing. Does he always say the decision on Um What did he say? The log thing. Does he always say commander's log? I mean, does he always say station log? Why doesn't he say commander's log? I don't know. I've never listened to that intently. Yeah. I bet when he gets promoted to captain, it switches to captain. It's weird. Or maybe it just always stays station log. I don't know. Custody for Rugal cannot wait much longer. You've come a long way just to leave a custody hearing. Padar is an eminent member of the civilian assembly. This matter has generated a great deal. I think it's of weird. I think it's weird that a Kardashian warship carrying a gull can just float into Bajoran space again. Kardashian without announcing it. 
What did I say? Kardashian. No, I didn't. I if I did, it was really cold. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Never said that in my life. How dare you? Really? You I shamed your house. Government. So you're here representing your government? Not exactly. I like to think I'm here representing the children, all of the children who were abandoned on Bejor. I want to see one? Rugo reunited with his Bejor. father. Oh, no, that's ignorant. That's ignorant. I'm here for the children. <laughs> well, I'm sure. <laughs> the daughter is grateful for your support. It's just Michael Jackson. It's Michael Jackson. <laughs> because I was under the impression that you were political adversaries. Isn't that so, Padar? Oh, no, that's ignorant. No, I'm political. We have disagreed in the past. But Commander, I don't see... Started out with some Holocaust-denying jokes, and now we're up to Michael Jackson in the podcast for those keeping score. Look, I'm very sick. (laughs) I've had this microphone off a lot of the times while I've been coughing profusely. (laughs) It's tough to focus. I get it. (laughs) It's hard. Okay? So when the unfunny comes out of my mouth, it's technically not my fault. Is relevant are the children. What are we going to do about the children? If you don't mind, I'd like for you to go over the events leading up to the disappearance of Rugal eight years ago. How perfectly foolish of me. Don't tell me you've decided you were wrong. Not after searching 7,420 files for a misspelling. Ducat is much smarter than that. Then what? Think about it, Doctor. He would never have left a file to be found. Do you really think he purged the file on Rugal? I would have. There was something in that file he didn't want anybody to see. Exactly. We have one last chance to find the person who wrote that file in the first place. How do you ever hope to find him? Her. Her? How do you know? Because I've already found her name. Jomat Lusan. Do you remember anything from back then, Rugal? No. Like how Ryan's like, what am I doing here? (laughs) No. I need another haircut. Where's Keiko? She's the one who wanted to have him with the the house. Thing you do remember. (laughs) My father teaching me how to swim. He's the best. He's so much better than that guy would be. I know exactly the one you're talking about. You do. The Cardassians even he swim. Am I right? Boy, we had at the time. We had several girls. Uh, are you sure his name was Rugal? That's what we were told. Somebody told you his name. Yes, that was the most unusual thing about his arrival. Virtually all of the other Cardassian children turned into us were found on the streets by Bajorans. Rugal was brought in by a Cardassian. A Cardassian military officer. Uh, Uga. Yes. As a matter of fact, she was. He's in a gazette. I don't remember her name, but she was attached to the command post at Terok Nor. Is there anything else, Doctor? The boy accused him of being a butcher. He hates Cardassians, sir. I'm sorry, who's this? Who's this? Heartbroken. Why is he speaking at my son's <laughs> thing? I can only imagine how I'd feel in his shoes. <laughs> Why does my son have his sleeves rolled up like this guy? Commander, can I ask a few questions? That is, that is neither of Bajor or Cardassia. <laughs> Hello? Chief, didn't Badat... <laughs> That's good acting. 
the way he just sits and crosses like, legs. Like, like, crosses like, legs. So, like, all right, let's see what you got this time. It's like, it's like he's like, I'm on board for this Garrick Bashir show. Let me see what's <laughs> happening. Tell you about the humiliation he feels right now. He said he had disgraced everything a Cardassian believes. Oh, I didn't know this was the first time we hear Terok Nor as D-Space Nine. I didn't know that. I was confused until later. I was not. I thought it might have been the planet that Geordi had his thing on. What was that called? With the Cardassian. Good God, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Supertown 7? That was what it was. Yeah. Has discovery become public knowledge on Cardassia? The government has not chosen to reveal it to the people yet. What happens when it is revealed? It will be the end of my political career. That's and I just bought a new uh, edition on my house. The timing. Just the bought timing. a new briefcase. Isn't I just bought a new fake door. I know that's not Cardassians. Who were involved <laughs> in the attempted military coup <laughs> on Bajor. Yes. And isn't Goldu... It's not even really Romulans. That's just like fucking Picard season one Romulans. Cut. One of the key witnesses in that inquiry. This is irrelevant and insulting. Commander, you've lost control here. Yes, it seems that I have. <laughs> I suggest we return to the issue of the children. All he right. might as well have said, whoopsie. <laughs> Let's talk about children. Have you ever been to the Tozat Resettlement Center on Bajor where Rugal was adopted? Never. Of course, Tozat is the province where Padar was stationed eight years ago. I'm aware of that. I've been trying to find records of Rugal's adoption, but they're missing from the files. How unfortunate. Yes, but we have found someone who was working at the center at the time Rugal was brought in. Do you know of a Bajoran social volunteer named Jomat Luson? No. Jomat Luson remembers Rugal being brought in by a Cardassian military officer. A woman who seemed familiar with him, even knew his name. Is what I like. I like, I like that Crockett question. and Tubbs, or whatever their names are, Garrick and Bashir, they put the clues together of the case, and they, got, they pound great. the pavement, you know? They're Crockett and Tubbs and Sam Weathers, Worthington, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Sam James Edward Olmos. <laughs> you know, the, the talky guy in the courtroom, in <laughs> Law and Order. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> oh, man. God, what's his name? Sam? Oh, gosh, everybody's screaming at us. He sells robot insurance, remember? Uh, no. Oh, man, we should both be embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. Law & Order's been on for 100 years. Sam Waterston. Waterston. It's on me for bringing him up. Um, It's classic. Old glory robot insurance. Ann's husband passed away. The insurance company said his policy didn't cover them. They had no money to pay for the funeral. It's so hard nowadays with all the gangs and rap music. What about robots? Oh, they're everywhere. I don't even know why the scientists make them. Darren and I have a policy with Old Glory Insurance that covers us in case we're attacked by robots. An insurance policy with a robot plan? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly I'm too old. Old Glory covers anyone over the age of 50 against robot attack, regardless of current health. I'm Sam Waterston of the popular TV series Law & Order. 
As a senior citizen, you're probably aware of the threat robots pose. <laughs> robots are everywhere, and they eat old people's medicine for fuel. Well, now there's a company that offers coverage against the unfortunate event of a robot attack, Old Glory Insurance. Old Glory will cover you with no health checkup or age consideration. You need to feel safe. And that's harder and harder to do nowadays because robots may strike at any time. And when they grab you with those metal claws, you can't break free because they're made of metal and robots are strong. Now, for only $4 a month, you can achieve peace of mind in a world full of crime and robots with old glory insurance. Robots! They're coming! Robots! Oh, it's a friendly robot. This time. <laughs> so don't cower under your afghan any longer. Make a choice. Old glory insurance. For when the metal ones decide to come for you. And they will. That's uh play the whole thing for no reason, I'm sorry. That's a fantastic uh performance by Sam Waterston playing it completely straight. Yeah. No wink wink nudge nudge. Nope. Just knew what to do with it. I hope you all enjoyed that. If you haven't never heard that before, where you been? Have you have you seen that sketch? A long time ago, yeah. Yeah. I forget what I feel. I feel like that was it had to have been on an episode of SNL that I taped for a specific reason. Like it's... it might have been like musical guest Dave Matthews band or something. <laughs> Is whether or not this officer deliberately left the son of Kotan Padar at the relocation center with the full knowledge that he was not an orphan. FYI, perhaps even with the hopes uh, of humiliating. It always says Kotran, and everyone in the show pronounces it Kotan. So I don't know. Sort of an interesting silent R situation. Padar someday. I wouldn't know. What would you happen to know then of a base known during the occupation as Terak Nor? Terak Nor? It was here, this space station. Jomat Luson clearly recalls that the officer who brought in Rugal was attached to Terak Nor. What? Galdukat! Who was the commanding officer at Terok Noor eight years ago? For the record, the commanding officer of Terok Noor eight years ago was Galdukat. Good job, He did it. It was uh, Laura Layton of, of Melrose Place with the musical guest Rancid. <laughs> You're looking at it I don't know why I taped that, but I did. There you go. There you love Rancid. Starting Stop talking seven. about him. I'm all for it. Mr. Parents treated him with love. Rugal has been the clear victim in this conspiracy. I believe it's time for his healing to begin. Your doctor has given me the leverage I need, Commander. Leverage? Ducat will never allow these events to be made public now, and I certainly won't choose to discuss them. A stalemate. A stalemate. 
You've helped me salvage my political career. I won't forget that. Perhaps you'll use your influence to help other Cardassian orphans on Bejo. Yeah. Yes, we'll see. Remember what I said. So, here's what I have to say about that. Yeah. This guy, he's been fighting to get his son back. He's shown some real humanity, or whatever you want to call it. You know, uh, uh, Cardanity. Cardanity. And uh, he gets his son back, and fucking Cisco has a reasonable request that serves Cardassia, which is, well, maybe now you'll help get the fucking orphans back to Cardassia. He's like, yeah, well, mm-hmm, yeah, we'll see. Fucking every yeah, Cardassian like, well, is a dick. Is, yeah, is that what was, the point is? That, I think he's being like, well, this was never about the other ones. It was just yeah, about, but fucking yeah. you just shown, God, shown a little decency. You just got your son back. Ugh. I'm with the kid. Yeah, I'm with the kid, too. Which kid? Uh, the kid that hates Cardassians. That is a Cardassian. I was with Molly because she was sleeping off screen in all this episode. <laughs> Just let me know and I'll arrange it. I'm never coming back here. Goodbye. Hello, Rubel. Ready to go? Brian's really turned around on Cardassians. Muckweed. I suppose it'll take time. Yes, Cisco is. But there's one more question I haven't figured out, Garak. Why did you want to expose Dukat? What's the truth about you and him? Truth, Doctor, is in the eye of the beholder. I never tell the truth because I don't believe there is such a thing. That's why I prefer the straight-line simplicity of cutting cloth. So you're not going to tell me? But you don't need me to tell you, my friend. Just notice the details. They're scattered like crumbs all over this table we regularly share. Until next time. And then Garrick goes into the background to immediately starts hitting on some other guy. (laughs) It's, uh, the guy is, uh, he's nonstop. Hey, let me ask you a question. Would you guys, if we ever got our shit together, which we never will. He's pulling at his clothes. Obviously, he's doing it as, it's a business call. I don't think so. I think Your he's using the, the business call so. to hit on this guy. And um, so here's my question. If uh, if we ever got the, the store together, the merchandise, would you guys buy a Garrick Fox t-shirt? my question we're just gonna let that go you know put up a poll we'll see what they say as much silence as possible uh the other thing i had which was sort of related is uh, i have a theory he's asking about why are you doing this you know with gold ducat here's my theory i think gold ducat and garrick dated and they got just it was just a bad breakup and they hate each other and that's why garrick is doing all this weird subterfuge and espionage Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Wow. Thanks, Andy. You're welcome, Now, Matt. let's get to the MVC. Matt and Andy, who's the MVC? Well, it's the MVC. Will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kira Reese? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's a Brian, Bashir, and even Quark. 
And don't forget about Oh no And more What is Well I'm inclined to go with Dr. Julian Bashir on this one But are we not saying That it could be anyone on the station And in that event wouldn't it have been Garrick Well then I'm going to have to go with Garrick and Julian Bashir in this one all right. I'm going to split the vote. I think that's Would you fair. like to take one? I'll take the other. Sure. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Garrick. And I'll take Bashir. And you'll like it, everyone. Okay? <laughs> Stop it. It's fine. How many Andes? How many Andes does this episode get? I thought this was a really good episode. Uh, I give it a two. Just kidding. I knew he would do this. This is Andy. He's fucking crazy with his numbers. Uh, it's a tough one because I really do think it's well written, and they have they have really it's really great moments of dialogue in it. Great performance by Andrew Robinson. Um, I love the building relationship between Bashir and Garrick. Love how they yeah. handle Cisco. Um, and I think they uh, they address this sort of whole war orphan plot in a real interesting way that that lends uh, you know this this complexity the Cardassian character and and also is like really a really a great espionage plot. So it's very smart, but it is a little bit it just lacks a little bit of punch somehow. Like it's a little bit slow uh, somehow. Or, yeah, I don't. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just being a baby about it. Uh, so I might go even higher, but I would give it a seven. Exactly. Where where were you predicting I was going to land based on all that? I was, I, uh, higher or lower? You were like winding it up, winding it up. I'm like, this is like. I like he's only finding a minor fault with it. He's got a. He's got a. He's gonna fucking. Oh no! Wait. What am I giving it? I'm giving it a seven. He's gonna land right at seven. Here we go. <laughs> And then, of course, you did. But that's why you're frustrated. It's just you want my number to be different than your number. <laughs> well, our scales are different, I guess, even though they're the Andes. Uh, I think the episode's good. I like the and I like the uh, Garrick and Bashir dynamic. Uh-huh. I think it's a. I think it's an early. Uh, vision into what becomes later a even more fun dynamic and uh i was happy to see it develop here and the episode was you know a little dull so that's where the seven comes in but it was good so it's like not a five or a six it's a seven there you go that's We're my in scale. total agreement matt for some reason we saw how <laughs> we've only agreed in this episode even though Andy has tried to argue with no one. <laughs> and I've won every one of those arguments. <laughs> All right. I got to go rest, everybody. Take care of yourself, Matt. Disengage.